Hello, hello. Hey up, what's up, what's good? Welcome to the Any Given Runway Show. I'm your host, Randall Carlton Green. Any Given Runway celebrates the exploration of new cultures by highlighting some of the most artistic, athletic, tenacious, basically unique and interesting people in the world. Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Welcome to season three. As we continue to seek out some of the most unforgettable humans, some of the most memorable stories, in the first two seasons, the show featured guests from over 60 different countries and will continue down that path because it is imperative that we cherish the differences. And we can only do that by getting out and journeying into unknown frontiers, whether it be physically or simply through conversation, sharing lovely experiences and saluting the tenacious and resilient guests. We have an excellent, excellent show for today with a one-of-a-kind guest, world traveler and volunteer with World Central Kitchen, Veronica Garza, joins the show. Veronica is an extensive traveler, having been to 51 countries. Like many, she was profoundly impacted when the war in Ukraine began in late February. And upon first seeing images of the atrocities, she knew she wanted to help. She knew she wanted to take action. And she jumped on a plane and flew to Poland, where she volunteered with World Central Kitchen. While there, she became a volunteer coordinator, a position she turned to to help streamline the process for volunteers. In fact, that's where I met her. And she made me feel at home and helped me adjust to the days in Poland, to the point I thought she'd been working with the organization for years. On today's episode, she chats about why she felt the need to have boots on the ground and why she elected to pay her own way into a war zone to help people she had never met. Veronica also discusses what it was like being in another country and how she acclimatized to a brand new culture. As she reflects on her time in Poland, Veronica discusses how the experience has changed her. Her outlook on life has been forever altered. And once again, we'll be returning to Europe to help out the World Central Kitchen in the coming weeks. Now on the show, you've heard me talk about the incredible meritorious organization that is World Central Kitchen. And Veronica has been a great ambassador for WCK. She's been a stellar representative for them. And as someone who I admire, I have perpetual respect not only for her desire to help others, but also to take action and to do more, just as she helped plan and organize some of the responsibilities for the other volunteers. Following tragedies, World Central Kitchen provides meals, and meals provide hope. And with individuals like Veronica Garza leading the charge, I know that the organization is in great hands and will continue to flourish. Thrilled for you guys to meet her. So let's go ahead and welcome on one of my favorite humans on the planet, Texas native Veronica Garza. And let's learn. Thank you. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Um, I, uh, I am honored to be here today. I'm really, really excited to chat with you. When was it that you first heard about World Central Kitchen? And what was it that inspired you to become involved with the organization? So I think it was probably about a week after the war started. Really? Um, I was just literally just doing a Google search on opportunities. Like I wanted to help. I was uh, feeling really helpless. And, you know, I think a lot of people have felt that way. But for some reason, this war really affected me yeah. differently. I don't know if it's because I'm older. <laughs> I've been to that part of the world. I haven't been to Ukraine, but I've been to all of the surrounding countries just about. Um, so something about it just really like hit, hit me harder than, than before. And I, you know, was kind of fixated on this war and, uh, I would wake up every morning to see what happened overnight, you know, would stay up late mm -hmm. reading everything that I could get my hands on. And so I started looking for opportunities to volunteer. And of course, everything that came up was more about, you know, donations, which mm -hmm. are great, obviously, and, and necessary, but I wanted to do more than that. And so I came across world central kitchen. And I immediately went and registered as a volunteer and was looking for, I knew they were already out there in the region. Um, but at the time, I think it was just like staff, 
staff members that were there. Mm -hmm. And so I was looking for, you know, where I could volunteer and nothing was there yet. But I, I got an email saying, you know, as soon as we open up volunteer slots, we'll let you know. And so sure enough, on a Saturday morning, I got an email that said volunteer slots are open. And I would say within a couple of hours, I had booked my flight, <laughs> figured out logistics, and I left the following like Tuesday. So within three days, I was gone. Um, but yeah, it was literally a Google search that I <laughs> that I did because I wanted to I wanted to do something. Um, and I think a lot of people have have felt that way. The people that I've met there have had the same or similar experience. Yeah, and very similar, just as you recall that, because I was staying up late, refreshing Twitter, finding out information, and I, I've affected by it more profoundly than in other wars, and I'm not sure why that is. Maybe it's an age thing. Maybe it's a visibility thing. Did you have a culinary background at all? I don't. I'm, okay. uh, I'm a Good, good. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I cook at home a lot, and I bake, um, so I do spend a lot of time in the kitchen, but no formal training, uh, and I was so excited that they had opportunities for non, they had uh, certain slots that were for chefs only. Yeah. Uh, and then they had, of course, like the general helping hands. So that was really cool that they were allowing all of us to kind of be part of this, you know, even if we didn't have the the formal training. What did everyone back home in Texas, what did they all think when you said, hey, I'm, I'm going over there? So I didn't get a chance to talk to all of my friends because as I mentioned, I, I was gone pretty quickly. Uh, but the people that I did talk to and my family, they were shocked um, initially, but I think overall pretty supportive. I was worried about my parents, you know, trying to talk me out of it, <laughs> uh, but they were they were pretty supportive and really proud. Um, and then once I left, of course, people just kind of found out that I was there, and so a lot of shock. I would say, um, "Are you safe?" You know, and um, just a lot of questions. Uh, but I think for the most part, people were kind of understanding because I think a lot of us felt, you know, the same way, you know, we wanted to do something and obviously not everybody can just jump on a plane and go to Poland. But, um, I think they were, they were understanding of why I was heading out there because they had similar feelings. Yeah. So a lot of shock, but good overall, good reactions. Yeah. Well, and safety, that's the word that kept coming up. Yeah. <laughs> and I think one of the, the challenges is that in that region, information is limited. So even the areas that might be unsafe, we don't know about. So what did you do to ensure your safety or to make sure that you were being as safe as you could. So what's funny is that once I got out there, um, I completely lost like track of what was <laughs> happening with the war. Yeah. Um, while I was here, I knew everything, you know, I was, I was an expert just like everybody else. Right. I could tell you anything um, that was going on. But once I got there, you kind of get wrapped up into the work. Mm -hmm. Um, and while I was out there, I was also work doing my real job. Um, so I was working remotely in the evening. So I was, I had very full days and I didn't have, I really didn't have any time to, you know, to do those, those searches and kind of, you know, find out what was going on. But uh, people at home, funny enough, were keeping me updated or, you know, they would say, are you okay? Mm -hmm. And I would say, what, what's happening? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy because we're so close, you know, we're 15 minutes from the, from the border with Ukraine. And I had no idea what was going on. But I think in general, uh, World Central Kitchen did take some precautions. Um, we started, uh, you know, kind of checking people as they came in. We had to make sure they were registered to be volunteers. And, uh, you know, once I once I got fell into the role that I ended up doing, I was asked to, you know, kind of report anything that was, um, you know, suspicious, that type of thing. And we had security there. I don't know if you're aware, but we had a lot of security around and some that we couldn't even see. Um, so I think they did a good job of, of making sure that, you know, all of us were safe, um, and just giving us the information that 
we may need to know. And luckily while we were there, you know, nothing happened. Um, but yeah, overall I, I was pretty, uh, <laughs> I was, I did not know what was going on with, with the war most of the time. Yeah. So it kind of happens. You kind of get wrapped up in the work and, and that becomes the more important thing. Yeah. And especially when back home, people are saying, oh, there was, there was a recent strike, a missile strike in this city. And it's hard to pronounce, first of all, but second of all, <laughs> is that close to where we're at? Are we still safe? So there was that. What was the day-to-day role for you? So once I, when, I, when I first showed up, I was a regular volunteer. Uh, I showed up and it was the first week, I believe, that they had had volunteers. So the kitchen was still, they were still finishing the kitchen. Like we didn't even have a working toilet. They installed the toilet the day that I got there. And the walk-in cooler, you know, was built in the, within the first two days I was there. So when I first got there, it was a lot of, a lot of chaos. Um, there wasn't really someone to help coordinate the volunteers and to help guide us. There was someone doing that job that was also doing a different job. And so um, the first day there was a lot of standing around and kind of, you know, you're trying to figure out what to do. And sometimes they would pull you aside and say, you know, go wash these Cambros or go take out this trash or, or wash these dishes. Um, and so you, you, I kind of quickly figured out that you just kind of had to throw yourself in it, right? You saw something that needed to be done or offered, or, you know, you just had to be more active, um, uh, proactive, I should say. And because there wasn't a volunteer coordinator, uh, the the person that was kind of helping out with that asked me to help. You know, as volunteers come in, you have to check their registration, have them sign a consent form, um, have them sign in, give you some information, things like that. And so little by little, I started taking that over and eventually became the volunteer coordinator. Um, you know, I thought about the things that I learned while I was there, the things that I would want to know on my first day. Because honestly, people were showing up and had a lot of questions when yeah. I was first there. There wasn't a lot of information, even when you're booking your 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 trip. No, no. like here's an email. Here's where you show up. Uh, see luck. you there. <laughs> yeah. And so people had questions and like, what where do I stay? What kind of you know, t- like what towns are nearby? Obviously, accommodations in the town are, are hard to come by. Yeah. Um, and so I just thought about all of the things that I would have wanted to know, and I started kind of putting together a little orientation and then giving people a tour as they would come into the kitchen. And so eventually I became the volunteer coordinator and, you know, usually the first couple of hours of the day are pretty busy, but once that happened and all the, everyone was checked in, I would jump back in and and help, you know, with the volunteers help with chopping, you know, vegetables or whatever else we were doing that day. Well, I thought you were part of the full-time staff because (laughs) it was organized and everything. And it was very helpful and very handy. With the volunteers that you've met, I know in my experience, it seemed like they were mostly American. Was that the same for you? Yes. Uh, there was, I would say the majority every, every day was uh, American uh, volunteers. We did have people from all over, a lot of European volunteers. But yeah, by far, I would say it was Americans. What was the biggest challenge for you being in another country? Not in country, yeah. another country where there's a language barrier. Because I know on the way... I had the town's name in my mind of how I thought it was pronounced. Nothing like nope. it. <laughs> Nothing Absolutely. like it. Shemashil is not spelled like you would think. <laughs> yeah. No, I, that's, that was the hardest, uh, the, the biggest barrier was the language. Mm-hmm. I've traveled a ton as well myself. And, um, you know, we're pretty fortunate that most people speak English everywhere we go, right? Mm-hmm. So we, I think we tend to take that for granted and, and don't really give it much thought. Um, but Shemshul is not a, a touristy place. <laughs> so um, I found that quickly that people, a lot of people did not speak English. So I, you know, I couldn't order a taxi for myself. Um, 
I could never find one that spoke English. And even if they did, pronouncing the street name, of course, was not going to happen. Like mm -hmm. Polish is not an easy language, right? So uh, I would say the language was the hardest thing. But then the, the next biggest challenge is being in another country, working in another country when there is a war happening, right? Because some of those logistical things that I usually, you know, I'm one of those people that I'll travel and I, I kind of wing it, you know, I, I'll leave and then I book accommodation when I get there or whatever. Um, and here accommodation was, was really hard. I think mm -hmm. in the month that I was there, I might've had six or seven apartments um, that I moved, you know, moved around to because you'd snag an apartment, but it was only available for two or three nights and then you'd have to go somewhere else. And so some of those things were, uh, were a bit of a challenge. I mean, it all worked out. Um, and once you get to the kitchen, people are helpful and they can tell you, you know, Oh, I, I know of a place or I, I know of a, of a person that can help or, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I would say the language and then just what's going on right now makes being there difficult. What was your experience like at the train station? Yeah. So the train station I, initially, I mean, I saw the train station immediately because that's how I got there. Right. My first day uh, in the kitchen, I arrived by train. And of course, you know, the, the main uh, area where you buy tickets and things like that, it's the, the, I don't know what they call it, but that main area was full of people. Yeah. Um, it was chaos. There were people everywhere. Um, and then I took the train home the day that I mentioned earlier and same thing, right? There's just people everywhere. Uh, one morning I walked by and after I'd already moved to Shemshul and there were people sleeping, you know, in the train station, um, there were little corridors and it said, you know, women and children only. There were just, people were just laying down wherever they could. And yeah. obviously these people didn't have anywhere to go, right? They stopped there and most people come in through there, but then they go on to somewhere else, usually mm -hmm. a bigger city. Uh, but these people had nowhere to go. And so they were just, you know, sleeping there and staying there, I guess, until they could figure something out, which was really heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, that was, that was a train station for me. And then of course, once I moved into the town, I didn't, uh, really go by there as much because I was staying in town. Yeah. Uh, I think now, uh, WCK has three different places. They're out on the platform and one of the platforms, they have a big tent. Uh, they have one right outside that main area that I was describing. And then they have one like underneath, like in one of the tunnels, okay. I went and helped drop off uh, food like right before I left. So, and at that time it was pretty quiet. I will say that things have slowed down in the last couple of weeks compared yeah. to when I, the first couple of weeks that I was there. Um, so yeah, you just don't know when a train is coming. Um, when it does, it's crazy. And then it kind of dies down. It seems like, so things are changing a little bit for now, but of course it just depends on what happens with the war. It was very surreal because you did feel a tension in the air of war, but at the same time, there was a lot of things that were normal. You had stores, regular shops. I think I saw, I think there was even an H and M there. I saw yeah. people walking their dogs and it was a lot of normalcy. Yeah. But every once in a while, I saw a military vehicle drive by. For you, did it feel like you were in the middle of a war? Uh, you know, in, initially, no, except at the train station, right? When I came in, that was not normal to me. And I've been in a crowded train station before. This was just different. Um, but then as I kind of got into the groove of like the job and I was just walking to the kitchen every day and going back home, it's like you said, people were outside. I would go, I started living like a local. I was staying in an apartment. I had to go get laundry detergent, you know, and food and, um, buying groceries. And it just seemed like a normal town. Um, but then of course I was involved with a lot of the, you know, I, there's the distribution schedule is there and you see everything in the kitchen. And when you stop to think about what's going on and you're like, Oh, this is why we're here. Right. When you're out, just kind of, 
you get into the groove of, you know, peeling potatoes or, or whatever it is, you kind of forget and you're talking to people and you laugh and you, you know, have lunch together and, and you kind of forget, but then you step out of that and you remember, you know, immediately. Um, I went out to the border right before I, I left as well. And of course, you know, it's just, uh, it, that made it very real as well. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a interesting mix, I would say, between normal and very not normal. You know, somehow it works. It's working in the town and the town has done a great job of managing all of these people there. And I mean, all of us as well, right? All of the volunteers and organizations. Um, But it is a very weird mix depending on like where you are, time of day or whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I found that upon returning, everybody's like, well, how was it? And you're like, well, I don't really know the word. I don't want to use good, great. That doesn't, that's not the right word. So I said, the best way to to describe it is I'm going back. There's nothing else describes it other than just... That's exactly, that's a, a really good way to put it. That's how it was, where you have, you feel like you need to go back. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. How's the Polish food treating you overall? Polish food was good. Yeah. I, I probably put on a few <laughs> and it would have been worse if I hadn't been on my feet all day, right? Because yeah. I would walk uh, whatever apartment I was staying. It was usually a 25 to no more than like a 40 minute walk. So I'd walk to the, to the kitchen every day. And then you're on your feet all day in the kitchen and yeah. kind of walking back and forth. So it could have been worse, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but the food is amazing there for sure. Yeah. Lots of potato foods. I think borscht lots, soup, great stuff. Lots of eggs. <laughs> one thing I love during the experience is just meeting people from other countries. Everybody's bonding together, unifying under one goal. I know that first leaving the airport, a lovely Polish woman drew me a map, told me where to go. Would give me advice. People on WhatsApp sending me messages. And even along the WCK, there was someone from Italy, someone from Spain at the same table. As you look back on the month that you were there and the different people you've met, what are some of the memories that stand out in working with Ukrainian citizens, working with people from Poland? Yeah. Uh, so with the other volunteers, you know, I, I have so many good memories. I finally had time to start processing everything when I got back. Um, and I was looking through pictures, you know, that I'd taken over, over my time there and thinking about all the people that I'd met. Um, and you, you sit there and you're peeling potatoes for, you know, six hours a day or whatever across from these people. So you, you can't even help it. You get to know them. Right. And there's, there are people from every background you could imagine. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really neat to, to just get to know people and, and to know that everyone that's there is, is good, right? For the most part, if you're there, if you've spent money to, because you're paying your own way and you have figured out how to be there and where to stay and you know, you're giving up your time and, and maybe taking vacation time or whatnot to be there, you're probably a, a good person at, you know, deep down here, a good person and you're not selfish. So having all of these really great people, you know, all at the same time um, and getting to hear everyone's stories and backgrounds and how they ended up there was just really, really awesome. Um, I now have friends, you know, all over the world. I have standing invitations to Italy and, and uh, Portugal and all over the States. Um, so I, I've built some really great friendships and, and I think that's amazing. Um, as far as the Ukrainian and Polish people, you know, in the kitchen, we have um, all of our dishwashers. We finally got uh, dishwashers to come in and um, they, they were, they didn't speak English. They were Polish, but you know, a smile like can be understood <laughs> in any, in any language. Right. So um, really amazing, hardworking people. Um, we had a couple of Ukrainian girls that actually were refugees themselves, right. They, um, one of them was, out of the country when the war started and never got to go back home. Um, and the other girl, uh, you know, finally made her way to Poland, was living in a bomb shelter while she was there, um, left her husband behind 
and now the you know WCK gave them employment and they're helping with distribution of, of meals um, and just like really really positive people and I'm like I can't imagine working you know after going through what they've gone through they they were there they worked hard and they they were friendly and they had a smile on their face and I don't know how they did it honestly um, but just the perseverance that I've seen from from the Ukrainian people and and the Polish people have opened up their entire you know country as well um, so absolutely amazing I my life has been completely changed by by all of the people that I've met and in his book Jose Andres talks about that when they're rebuilding Puerto Rico that food provides hope with that you can move forward you can rebuild a life after tragedies do you feel that food provides hope 100% I I think uh, you know it's a basic need right <laughs> for survival um, there was a family that I met uh, I was on the train this is when I was first commuting I I guess you could say um, so within my first week I was taking the train back to the town where I was staying and I quickly saw on the platform that there were more people than there would be seats on the train and of course most of them were women and children uh, lots of luggage so I knew that they were refugees um, so I was you know in my seat we got on the train and I was in one of those compartments and this family came in and you know, they were Ukrainian and we were communicating through like Google Translate and they were telling me, oh, you know, we basically, they were asking me if it was okay to be on the train and if, that, you know, they'd heard that it could be, that they wouldn't have to pay for a ticket if they were from from Ukraine. And so anyway, we were chatting a bit and then I finally gave up my seat because uh, another family came in and um, I was standing out in that little corridor area, you know, the little walkway outside of the compartments. And there was this woman a uh, few feet down standing in front of the, one of the compartments and you could tell her children were inside and she hadn't had she didn't have a seat either so she had all of her luggage and this bag with these styrofoam containers inside and she was holding one of the styrofoam containers and she said something to me and i i said you know english <laughs> i shook my head um and then she like took the container and, like stretched out her arms and she was asking me basically if i wanted food if i was hungry if i wanted you know some of her food and of course, I, I said, no, thank you, right? And I turned my, face, my head because I, was, I broke down. Um, this, this woman, I don't know her story right, but I'm sure it wasn't easy getting to, to where she was and who knows where she's going or um, you know, what she's going to face. But in that moment, she was going to share her meal with me. Um, anyway, so she finishes her meal, and as she's closing the container, you see the World Central Kitchen sticker on top. And at that point, you know, <laughs> it just kind of all came together for me. I'm like, this is, this is why I'm here. Um, so for that family, you know, not having to worry about dinner that night, you know, um, was one less thing to worry about. And, and I think that absolutely food <laughs> provides hope. And I, I hope that, that people that have come over and that see, um, you know, all of not just World Central Kitchen, but there's a lot of organizations that are, are helping. I hope that, you know, with, the, with that meal, they have hope that their other needs will also be met, you know, that there will be other people to help them with housing and resettling and whatever else they have to do. Thank you for sharing that story. That is marvelous. I know that in traveling out there, I met a lot of people who had intentions of, of helping, but they didn't know how. It's difficult to find out how you can help, where you can help. People were just going in there saying, well, I'll figure it out when I get there. And someone else kindly mentioned to me, they said, in a war, sometimes peeling potatoes is the best thing you can do. So in your experience time there, what are ways that people can help? Um, you know, if you're able to make it out there, obviously, there are 
tons of opportunities. And you're right. It's, it's hard to know when you first show up, like if, if you haven't signed up with WCK, but you want to help, yeah. uh, there isn't a lot of information. Um, and you know, you, you want to do what you can when you're there. And sometimes it's just talking to people and, um, you know, they would say, okay, well they're at the border, they need, you know, X, Y, Z. So people would go out and buy supplies and bring yeah. them back. Um, suitcases were like a big thing, right? So there were so many stories that I heard of, of people plugging themselves in um, and helping out in different ways. That wasn't just the kitchen, but, and, and even for myself, right? Volunteer coordination, like that was not what I <laughs> intended to do when I, when I first got there, but that's where the need was. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, they're all little pieces, right? Of the, the overall like, puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say even from home, like if you can't, if, you know, not everyone can jump on a plane and, and go to Poland. Um, obviously donations, like World Central Kitchen is a huge organization. It takes a lot to run, to run it. Um, and they couldn't do it right without people's donations. So whether it's World Central Kitchen or another organization, I think donations are the easiest way to go. Um, but even besides that, I think um, I've even, even here in Houston, I've looked up, you know, just do a Google search. Like I've looked up organizations that are accepting donations. If you want to take diapers or, you know, toothbrushes or toothpaste, and then they, they send it out there. Um, and then, you know, depending on how much you want to help, I know, we're about to take in a hundred thousand refugees. Um, it's going to take a lot of work, you know, to make all of that happen. So there are organizations that are already putting, you know, volunteer groups together to help maybe be a sponsor and, you know, help families learn how to ride the bus and how to, you know, do different things in the city or, or not whenever they get there, whenever they get here. So uh, I would say there's a, a number of ways to help, whether you're here or there. Um, and just, you know, kind of, if you're home, do some, some searches in your town, uh, in your city. Uh, and then of course, if you're there, if you're lucky enough to be able to be there and, and do something there. Um, yeah. Just talk to people. Uh, so many people would show up at the kitchen. They're like, Oh, I ran into this person on the train or we flew in together and we started chatting and they told me they were coming to volunteer. So I'm here to do the same. So just be open to talking to people and, and it's easy to get plugged in. Toughest question. What do you feel is the biggest life lesson you've picked up from the last month? Oh, that's tough. Um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, you're going back. So that was already, it's already been so rewarding that you're going to do this again. Yeah, for sure. I, I would say that, uh, you know, I'm not the same person. I I can honestly say that I'm not the same person that left a month ago. Um, I see things differently here at home. You know, the things that I thought were so important (laughs) don't seem so important anymore. Um, the problems that I thought I had don't seem like such a big deal. And you're right. Like all I can do is think about going back. So I think for me, my, my biggest lesson is uh, just, I, I know that I need to give more of my time mm-hmm. for good, right? Not just for this war, but just in general, um, there's so much need around the world, right? For different reasons. Um, and I know that I can give my time and money and um, I can't ever not do that again, if that makes sense. I can never go back to, to normal life and forget about, uh, you know, the needs that are out there. So I think for me, it's that um, just knowing that I can give more of, of myself to those that are, you know, in need. It's been good to kind of, you know, think back and uh, think about back on all the experiences that I had and the people that I've met. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that you, you know, that you decided to uh, to talk about World Central Kitchen. It, I think by now, most people know who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's important to not forget, right, as well, because as time goes on, I think usually there's an event and everyone 
kind of gets excited and, and wants to do something. Mm -hmm. And then as time goes on, people kind of forget. So uh, I'd like to, you know, just say that I hope people don't forget. And that, like you mentioned before, there are tons of ways to get involved and, and people should, you know, if they can. Do you feel that as you came back, do you feel that the United States, the interest is already waning a bit? Um, you know, I, I thought it would. I know right now I, I mentioned that uh, the slots in, in Poland are pretty full. I think yeah. I mentioned that, but they are pretty full right now mm -hmm. and for the next few weeks to where they are, they are like at capacity with volunteers, which yeah. is amazing, right? Um, I don't know if the majority of those people are American, as we mentioned before, uh, that, that was our experience when we were there. Um, but I do know that there are other needs. Uh, there are, there's now a kitchen in Madrid that is yeah. providing meals yeah. to, um, yeah. To I, trust me, I look at that every day, Madrid flights. So I, I think I'm heading there to be honest. Um, before I head to Poland, I'm going to stop in Madrid and maybe do a week there. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, they have a kitchen. They're providing meals to the refugee, uh, centers, shelters that have been set up there in the city. Um, so I don't see a difference just yet. <laughs> you know, I don't know what will happen in the next month, but I know right now the, the slots are pretty full for, uh, at least for Poland. So I, I hope I'm wrong. I hope that people, you know, continue to, to be interested and to want to give of their time. Yeah. Well, that's great to hear because away from the volunteer aspect, it does feel like just the overall interest has decreased a little bit and people caring about it. And that bothers me. For sure. I agree. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. It's so good to do this. It's really nice to see you. And like I said, I've been, and it was like a straight month of just like, go, go, go. I know we're going to continue talking. This is awesome. I'm glad we met. Awesome sure. what you're doing, of course. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. This was fun. Thank you so much for inviting me. And we'll definitely be in touch. Definitely. Awesome. All right. Made, made my day chatting with you. You too. Thanks. All right. All right bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Much appreciation to Veronica. For more information or to volunteer yourself, for World Hunter Kitchen, you can visit wck.org and to follow Veronica on Instagram, it's T-H-E, the underscore germer, G-E-R-M-E-R. -E Everyone has a story, each person a scholar. Thank you for listening. Fill up that passport. I'll see you on the road. Aviento. <laughs>